Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Let's pray. Father, help us today, we pray. We don't really, Lord, need another sermon or another talk, but every single person in this room or online needs something from you to help them for this day and the days that lie ahead. I pray, God, that none of our lives will just be small or shallow. I pray that none of our lives will be about us, and that's all there is. But, God, I pray that at the end of our life, we will be able to hear from you, well done, good and faithful servant. We thank you for all that you'll do today. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Four years ago, 2019, my wife had decided I needed a holiday. And so she took us to Indonesia. I'd never been there before. And I don't even remember the name of the place we were at. I just remember it was lovely. And I'm sitting on the balcony overlooking where the beach was. And and I'm not praying. I'm not trying to go, oh, God, and be intense. I'm just saying, just sitting there, really? And uh, I heard the Lord say to me, it's time to seek the Lord. And I thought, oh, that's nice. But it was so insistent that you remember it. You know what I mean? And so I came home after the week and I got to the Saturday and I said to Rhonda, I'm going to go to church. She said, it's Saturday. And I go, yeah. Um, I said, but the Lord told me it's time to seek the Lord. So I'm going to go and pray. That was all I could figure out that it's time to seek the Lord must mean. I didn't go, though, with a shopping list and, God, I need this and I need that. And every Saturday, I think twice it's been a Friday because the Saturday was fully taken up. But every Saturday I've gone in since then for four years, uh, gone in and just spent time just saying, God, what do you want to say? And so yesterday I'm here in Toowoomba and I had a great day with family. And then I said to them, look, I've got to go. I didn't tell them why. I just said, I've got to go. So we go back to where we're staying. I said, Rhonda, I'll see you later. And I take my notepad and I take a pen and then I start walking. I've walked out of the accommodation and I'm literally crossing the road out the front. And again, I'm not trying to make it sound like God, you know, comes down and just chats with me every day. But I heard the Lord say this phrase to me, don't stop halfway to your miracle. And then I start writing down as I'm wandering down what Margaret Street, is it? I don't know, one of them. Uh, I'm wandering down and, and I'm praying. Now, I pray out loud. I kind of figure they either think I'm mentally ill, uh, which some people still think. Uh, either that or else they think he's probably got those little earbuds in and he's singing. And then why well, I just do it anyhow? I don't really care. And so then I stop all the way along and I sit in a chair or I sit in a bench and I write stuff down. So I'm going to give you yesterday afternoon. Is that all right? Don't stop halfway to your miracle. John 9 verse 6 says, When Jesus had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed. And came back seeing. Matthew 14, 
verse 23, Jesus sends the multitudes away, goes up on a mountain by himself to pray. When evening was come, he was alone there. But the boat was down the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. They cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, it is I be not afraid. Peter answered him. And said, Lord, if it's, you, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. If you've ever wondered, why was Peter the apostle that preaches on the day of Pentecost? If you've ever wondered why Peter was the guy that God spoke to about going to the house of Cornelius 10 years later and opening up the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. Previously, every Christian was a Jew. If you've ever wondered why, I think it's in that verse. That out of all the 12 disciples, one man says, you know what? I want to go wherever Jesus is. I want to get out of whatever looks safe. I want to get out of whatever looks comfortable. I want to go where Jesus is. And so he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. And the Lord said to him, come, just one word. Because it doesn't take a hundred words. I'm still living off one word that Pastor Clark Taylor on a November night in uh, the Park Ridge Hotel, I think it was, Hotel Motel down near the Botanic Gardens in Brisbane. He'd asked us to go to to uh, to uh, Townsville. I said, Clark, I don't think that's the will of God, but if you tell me to go, I'll go. No, and then it was, uh, I want you to go to Sydney, and I said, Well, I don't think that's the will of God, but if you tell me to go, I'll go. Then it was, I want you to go to Melbourne. I said, well, I don't think that's the will of God, but if you want me to go, I'll go. I said, but if you want me to go anywhere, I'll go to Perth. He said, we're never going to Perth. It's too far away. And uh, I'd never been to Perth in my life. Did not know one person from Perth. And then on that night, he says to, to me, he says, and I'm asking Jeff and Rhonda to go to Perth. And the moment he said it, I knew we were going to go, but I said, well, I've got to talk to Rhonda. I go home and I said to Rhonda, we've just built a house, our first home, just built a home. I said, Clark has asked us to go to Perth. It's her mother's birthday, the day we leave and we get on a plane. You can't fly direct to Perth. You can only go there via Sydney or Melbourne. So we get there. We get off the plane with our seven-year-old and our 15-month-old son. We get picked up by a guy who's not a Christian we've never met before. He takes us to his house. We stay there for 10 days while we try and find somewhere to live. And if you said, what did you do that for? I said, because I had one word. It doesn't take, you don't need a manual from God. You don't need a whole discussion. You don't need a million things. You just need one thing from God for your life. Amen. If God told you to start that business, that's enough. And He doesn't need 17 angels and 14 apostles and 85 prophetic words and 16 yay and yay and more yay. All you really need is God to speak to your life. I'm a massive fan, a huge fan. I absolutely believe in the God who speaks because if God speaks to you, you can do anything. You can go anywhere. You can be whatever He tells you to do. If God tells you, then it doesn't matter how big the opposition is. It doesn't matter how big the walls of Jericho it doesn't matter how difficult it is. If God will speak to you, then you can do whatever God tells you. Amen. 
So Peter's, uh, sorry, I got sidetracked here. Uh, Peter comes down to the boat, walks in the water to go to Jesus. When he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, began to sing, crying out, Lord, save me, me to Jesus, stretch forward his hand, caught him, said, oh, you have a little faith, why'd you down? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then let's go to the Old Testament for a metaphor one more. Joshua 3, verse 14 to 17. These people are now, they've been wandering the wilderness for 40 years, that they're at the edge of the promised land and they're about to go across. And Joshua says this, he says, the ark is going to go before you, follow the ark because you haven't been this way before. And they are going across the flooded River Jordan and all they've got is one word from their leader saying, let's go. And they move out and the, the priests take the ark, they stand in the, the flood of Jordan and the waters just miraculously go up into a massive heap and they stay there just like that. And the last verse, verse 17 says, until all Israel crossed over on dry ground, until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. What do these three stories have in common? They are all people that had to go on a journey to get their miracle. Every single one of them had an opportunity to stop halfway along. The blind man had to walk not just one, uh, you know, across the street. I've checked on a map and it's somewhere around about 1.4 kilometres. He's got opportunity to stop because halfway, listen to me, halfway has the same effect as not beginning at all. 100 metres from his encounter with Jesus, the blind man is still blind. 500 yards away from Jesus, a blind man feeling his way along the wall around the Temple Mount. And the 500 yards along, the blind man's still just as blind. At, at a thousand metres, one kilometre, he's still just as blind. It's not until he gets to 1.4 k's, that's a long way to walk if you're blind. And 1.4 kilometres along, finally the man gets there to his miracle. But I wonder what would have happened if he'd stopped halfway along. If someone had said to him, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? Who is Jesus anyway? Why are you bothering? And he says, no, he told me. He says, no, you know what you need at the 500 metre mark? You need, no, but he told me. Do you know what you need at the thousand metre mark? Nobody told me. You don't need another opinion. You don't need another diagnosis. You don't need another person to tell you why it can't happen, won't happen, why it's never happened before. You just need to know, but He told me. When Peter gets out of the boat to walk on the water to go to Jesus, halfway out is where the trouble all starts. When the children of Israel get out there, nothing happens until the priests bearing the ark put their feet into the water. Nothing happens until someone moves from the place of comfort and the place of familiarity. Nothing moves until somebody steps out of where they are. 12 disciples are in the boat. 11 of them never felt the, uh, the feeling of water under their feet and the rise and fall of the waves. None of them knew what that was like until one man said, Lord, I will get out of this boat. I will get out of this place that I know so well and where I feel so safe and so comfortable. Peter at the halfway mark begins to sink like any other human being would. The children of Israel are just former slaves 
on the edge of the promised land. There is no miracle there. And I, and I, I think to myself and I don't think, well, yesterday afternoon, I wasn't thinking about God, give me a message for the second service at Highlands because quite frankly, I was gonna preach the first one again, like everybody does. And so I texted Pastor Ken last night and said, is it okay? I don't know what your rules are or your processes are. I just think, is this okay? And so I wasn't, I gotta be honest, I wasn't thinking about you. I was just saying, God, what do you wanna say to me? What do you want to say to me? And He spoke to me as I walked across the road. Don't stop halfway to your miracle. The greatest miracle though, is not just the supernatural intervention, but why it lies on the other side of it. In in Matthew 14, when He walks on the water to go to Jesus, verse 29 says this, He walked on the water to go to Jesus. The highlight for Peter was never about the water. It was never about the, the doing something no human being before him apart from Jesus had ever done. The highlight for him is I'm going to Jesus. Jesus has called me. I wanna be wherever Jesus is, amen. The highlight of every miracle is never just what exactly happens in it. The highlight is always what lies on the other side. The blind man, you would think the highlight of that blind man's life is that he can now see. But I would say to you, no, because in verse 36 and 37 of John 9, we discovered that eventually he comes back to Jesus and he said, Lord, who is the Messiah? And Jesus says, he who speaks to you is the Messiah. And this man before the cross, before the day of Pentecost, before all the other things that people found out, this one blind man who not only gets healed of his eyesight, but comes back, why? Just like Peter, he wanted to be where Jesus was. And he finds out this is what's going on. And and before, can you imagine the conversation that night in his home around the dinner table? Dad, you can see. Dad, you can see. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I haven't told you the best part. I met the Messiah today, the hope of Israel, the one we've all been waiting for, the one that'll change the whole world. I just met Him today. And that was the greatest miracle. The greatest thing for the children of Israel was not that the waters of the Jordan stood up in a great heap. The greatest miracle for them was what lay on the other side of that thing. Can I say to you at Highlands, the greatest miracle of this church, it's not your beautiful auditorium and your magnificent school campus. It's what lies on the other side of all this stuff. Isn't that right? Because we sing about revival, but in the old days, that's the days when I was on Adam's football team, In the old days, we all reckoned Jesus was coming back by the year 2000. Amen. And we we went to Perth going, well, we'll win Perth to Christ. And next week, and here we are years later and still with the same passion though and still with the same heart of going, how do we say to a lost world, this is what Jesus looks like? Amen. And, And we don't do it the same ways. You know, the tent campaign was fantastic in its day, but I probably wouldn't run another one now. Or maybe I would. I think what I'd do is say, Jesus, what do you reckon? And I'd just do whatever He said. So we went to the Kimberley because Jesus said to go to the Kimberley. Amen. And so we've gone to all the places that we go and all the things that we do. Why? Because Jesus said, how about you go and do that? 
God's miracles are always aimed beyond you and now. Listen to me, parent, because that child you're praying for and you're just saying, oh God, just save them. Don't let them mix up with the wrong crowd. You're praying the wrong prayer. It's a good prayer, but it's not the best prayer. What you ought to be praying for is, oh God, your hand is on my son, my grandson, my daughter, my granddaughter. God, what do you have for their life? I, we pray for our kids, our grandchildren. We've got five of them, so it's easy. Monday is Evie and Tuesday is Judah and Wednesday is Elroy and Thursday is Sloan and uh, Friday is Honey. And what do you do on Saturday and Sunday? We pray for them all again. And we pray for them every single day. But we are praying, oh God, oh God, just keep them from diseases. And God, you know, don't let them get run over. We're, we're saying, God, what do you have for their life? Amen. We want to be on the other side of what just supernaturally God might do. Amen. Because some of you here, you're in the midst of it. I'd love you to lift your eyes a bit and say, God, what's on the other side of here? What are you looking for? That child you're praying for can have a godly legacy way beyond you. Amen. That business success that you are hungering for, what if it was greater than that? What if it was meant to be more than just about that? I said to James up here in the Keys, I met him this morning. I said, what do you do? And he says, tell me I'm on the Keys. And I said, thank God for all the parents that took their kids to piano lessons. Because we're the beneficiaries. Not just of you, James, wherever you are. Not just of your talent, your willingness, but we're the beneficiary of your mum and dad. Paying for a rattle, rattle dump truck and twinkle, twinkle, little star. Huh? And going and enduring those music concerts that children put on. Whoever invented the recorder. I'm fairly confident there will be a special place. Here's something else though, see, because it's always most difficult in the middle, isn't it? I don't know about the rest of you, I've enjoyed starting a lot of things. 45 years ago on February the 10th, I started a marriage. It was a lot of fun starting it. It's still a lot of fun. I always used to say, oh God, I want to marry someone with plenty of fire. I now say, God, I wish I had qualified that just a little bit. I wish I'd been able to dial the right temperature. <laughs> hey, listen, I've been going down that, wow, yeah. It's going to cost me for sure. I wonder where I'm shopping this week. But isn't it true? It's easy to get married. It's easy to have a wedding ceremony. But having a good marriage is a fair bit more difficult, isn't it? Look, I could not get one lousy amen. Come on, men. Men, come on, have courage. Come on. How many of you men here are you married? You're going, mm, mm. you chickens. Come on now. Amen. Alec down there, he's saying amen, aren't you? But you're not afraid of Sona. He's not afraid at all. And the moment I said that, he just did this. I watched him. It's always most difficult in the middle. How many of you here have had a dream from God and then you get hit difficulty in the middle? And when you hit difficulty, that's where we tend to start going, oh, did I really hear God? 
Was that really the voice of the Lord? I, I gotta be honest, all these, this message, everything this weekend, because tonight I'm gonna speak on, you know, your inner life, because to me it's been the key for everything in my Christian life. Uh, the problems aren't the problem. The problem is what I think about the problem or what I believe about the problem inside of me. It's how do I get to the point of faith? How do I get to believe God? The just shall live by faith three times in the Bible. I said to someone in the break between the services, I've discovered that you will live by faith whether you like it or not. You'll either live by faith because you choose to or you'll live by faith because He makes you. But you will live by faith. Better to choose it. Amen. It's always difficult in the middle. Third thing is that halfway is where the most distractions are. Isn't that right? You get started. How many discovered when you start, everyone's going, mm, oh yeah, amen. The other disciples, when Peter gets out of the boat, everybody except for Thomas, Thomas is going, you're gonna drown. John there, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he's going, peace be with you, brother. Amen. Mm -hmm. they're, all, they're all just keen for him to go. When he gets out there and the wind picks up and the waves get a bit bigger, when he gets out there like that, Thomas is there going, see, I told you. You're going to drown for sure. How, where are we going to find another apostle? He's like that. All the other disciples are going, thank God I never win. And isn't it like that when you start something? I remember when I first came on staff of Christian Outreach Centre, I left my very high paying job in the bank. And I, because Clark had said, we need someone to come and work for free. Now I had really long hair and back in the day, a man with really long hair, that wasn't Christian. And I had one pair of long pants. I was wearing thongs that Rhonda's dog had bitten the back off. And I greeted Clark at the door and I said, I'm your man. And I always reckon God smote him blind for a season. And he didn't see me any. And so I quit my job and I came to work at the bank, you know, and it was very exciting until about halfway along and I had a car accident. And all of a sudden, every dollar I had in the bank disappeared. What do you do when you encounter difficulty in the middle? Do you quit? There's always distractions in the middle. Everyone's got an opinion. Halfway, fourthly, is where most opposition arises. Nehemiah's doing really great until halfway along and all of a sudden, you know, if you read the, the story of Nehemiah, you'll discover at the beginning, it's all about favour and favour and favour. The pagan king Artaxerxes says, go and take anything you need. He's got no opposition until he turns up where the other Christians are. Huh? Jesus said, your enemies will be those of your own household. Huh? Come on now. Listen, sometimes you're going to have to just deal with some opposition if you're going to get to where God's got you to go. Fifthly, lastly, halfway is where we wonder. I've done a lot of wondering over the last year. Said it to Rhonda. Am I an idiot or what? I turn 60 something. I'm not sure what it is. 68, is it? I turn 68 in two months time. And if you ask me, like a young lady I was talking to down in Queens Gardens yesterday because people just chat. 
And she says to me, I said something about it. She goes, you're not that old. And I go, oh, yes, my dear. My driver's license says so. And I said to Rhonda, what are we doing at this age, taking this on? Am I stupid? Some days I think I am. I told my father when he turned 99, I was there for his birthday and I said, Dad, does turning 100 matter? Is it a big deal? He said, oh, son. He said, it's just another day. He said, I don't have yesterday, it's gone. He said, I don't have tomorrow, it's not here yet. He said, but I do have today to serve God with. Amen. So let me ask you, it's not about how did you start? Lots of you here today, you're in the middle of something. You're in the middle, you got married and now it's gone a bit pear-shaped. But you're in the middle, are you going to find God and some faith in the middle of all this? The business side dream you had, the ministry idea, I feel God's called me now, what? I've got three words for you as I finish. They're pretty simple. But I like simple. Number one, hold fast. Hold fast. Hebrews 10, hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast means get a grip and don't let go. Amen. But it's what you hold on to. Amen. There are some days, the only thing, I'm just being very honest here. Some days I just hold and say, God, you promised me. Your goodness would follow me all the days of my life. So I hold on. Hold fast. Secondly, hang on. Amen. There's nothing back there. You've got to keep on going. And the third thing is stay strong. I'll talk about that more tonight. How do you stay strong in your inner life? How do I make sure that whatever's in me is sufficient? A friend of mine, Kevin Dales, I'll never forget this. He said to me once, he said, all the water in the ocean can't sink the boat. He said, it's only the water that gets into the boat that can sink it. It's true, isn't it? Are you letting water get into your boat too much and you're starting to go under? Or are you saying, God, I don't want to stop halfway to my miracle. I'm excited about what God will do on the journey to where we're going. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, help us today. Just where you are, I really felt, you know, I never just preached this because it sounded good. I felt yesterday afternoon that there was going to be a lot of people in this service and you're halfway to a miracle. You're halfway to where God has promised you and where you want to go. Maybe it's that loved one that you always felt like when, you, when they were born, you named them that name because it meant something to you. And now they're the opposite of that name. And you're praying and saying, oh God, I'm, God, you promised me. Or you felt you moved to Toowoomba going, this is where God wants us and nothing's worked out. And I feel like today God wants to touch you wherever you are. If that's you, would you just raise your hand wherever you're seated? Let me just pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you and make you do stuff, but I see lots of hands up. But just people say, I'm, I'm halfway to a miracle, Jeff. I'm out in the middle uh, and the wind is blowing and the waves are boisterous. Thank you. I see lots of you. I'm not asking you to raise your hands. That makes me look better. I'm, I want to pray with you and for you where you are. Father, help these people, each one of them. God, help them so that somehow or other inside the voice they heard that started them, let them hear it again. The Word that You gave them that has kind of been in the back of the cupboard for a while and they'd forgotten it was there. 
But Lord, I pray you'll help them today in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And we look forward to what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 How good is that? No, right now, in every service, we give an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've come today and today is the day where you've said, yeah, I need to find out what this is about. You've heard this message, you know, and you've, you're down this road, but today's your day. Today's your day. And you matter to God, you matter to us. So we want to give you that opportunity right now to know Him, not just know about Him, to actually encounter God. The way we do that in this place, I'm going to ask you to bow your head again. Right across this room, close your eyes. I want to give you the opportunity to ask Jesus into your life. The way we do that here is just while no one's looking around, if that's you, and you've never given your life to Christ, or you've been away from God, but today you've come back. You say, I want to know you, God. Maybe you were brought up in a religious household and you went to church every week, but you've never actually said yes to Jesus. You know all about him, but you don't know him. I want to give you the opportunity this morning to know him. So just while no one's looking around, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just to say yes to Jesus. The raising of the hand is an act of faith. It's an outward decision, outward expression of an inward decision. So right across this room right now, if that's you, and you've never given your life to Jesus or you're coming back to Christ, would you raise your hand right now so I can pray with you? Just so I can lead you to Christ. Look across this room. See that hand, that's awesome, so good. Congratulations, congratulations. God's going to come into your life and change your life this morning. But what about you? What about you? Don't go home without him, friend. Don't go home without him. You've come here. Don't go home without him. Last time I'm asking this morning is look across this room one more time. So important. You matter to God and you matter to us. Fantastic. Let's pray together one more time, hey? If you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, you want to ask Jesus in your heart, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Saviour. Forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. And God, make yourself so real to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.